So as we approach Holy Week and Easter, this passage from Hebrews gives us a wonderful preparation for the life-changing, world-changing significance of the death and resurrection of Jesus. So as we listen to this passage now, it's uh, Hebrews chapter 9, starting at verse 15. Pick up those two aspects of Jesus' death and resurrection as I read this passage for us now. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. In the case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it because a will is in force only when somebody has died. It never takes effect while the one who makes it is living. This is why even the first covenant was not put into effect without blood. When Moses had proclaimed every command of the law to all the people, he took the blood of calves together with water, scarlet wool and branches of hyssop, and sprinkled the scroll and all the people. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant which God has commanded you to keep. In the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tabernacle and everything used in its ceremonies. In fact, the Lord requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. It was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again, the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of the many and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Verse 15, that opening verse, summarizes Christ's work as mediator of the new covenant. The first aspect is the death of Christ, shedding his own blood. He died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. And to think of covenant, we have to go back to that very first covenant established with God and Abraham, described in Genesis 15, where God gives the promise to Abraham, do not be afraid, I will be your shield, your very great reward. 
the covenant that comes when two people groups, two tribes that are at war, alienated from each other, their leaders come together and covenant is a way to make peace where two become one. The greater party, and clearly in Genesis 15, that's God in the relationship with Abraham. The greater party, God, offers protection, provision, and gives the promise of offspring more numerous than the stars. And that is ratified with the shedding of blood of animals. The covenant, God's way of restoring that original relationship seen in the very beginning, Genesis 1 and 2, before the fall, where humanity walked with God in the garden without shame or sin. We're made to be in relationship with God. And as seen repeatedly in the Old Testament, in the covenant, whilst God remained faithful and stable, while God doesn't change, he doesn't move, he doesn't sin, he doesn't fall away from his love and eternal generosity towards us, Humanity, us, we're constantly falling away. We're constantly living in a way rooted away from God. Humanity exemplified in God's chosen people, even under that old covenant carried on in waywardness. And the system of law and sacrifice which God gave to the people through Moses, which is what is unpacked in verses 19 to 22 of our reading, This was to bring in forgiveness and living in freedom. And it involved the shedding of the blood of animals. Everything was covered in blood, including the people. It's the reminder of that initial covenant of what God gives to his people. Tom Wright says, somehow it seems the blood of the sacrificial animals was pointing forward to a deeper truth still, that at the heart of the sacrificial system there lies, there lies the self-giving love of God himself. The writer quotes uh, Moses as saying to the people, This is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you to keep. But they don't keep it. They continue to walk away from God's original intention and promise. So God does something completely remarkable, completely different. Christ comes as the mediator of the new covenant. God in Jesus takes on the identity of humanity. The covenant with Abraham was God coming into relationship with a human. That covenant was kept on being broken by the people. So what God does is he sends himself in Jesus to become human himself. God takes on the identity of people. And in Jesus, the greater party, because he's still God, Jesus also takes on the identity of the weaker party, 
Remember, we've learned from this book of Hebrews, Jesus like us, is like us in every way, yet without sin. So Jesus takes on our identity, and then he brings in the promised inheritance spoken about in verse 15. And he does that in his own death. So verses 16 and 17, the inheritance promised in a will only comes into force when that person dies. We know that, don't we? We only receive the inheritance when the person that's made the will dies. That word for will can also be translated covenant. The person that has made the covenant, Jesus, dies. And that's what brings the inheritance into being. That's what brings the promises of God into being. We're going to share communion together. And the significance of Jesus' words over the wine, this is my blood of the new covenant. So when we drink the wine, we're stepping into the reality of the new identity that Jesus has won for us by his self-giving action on the cross. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. Jesus shed his blood, there is complete forgiveness. And that identity is ours. If you hear this morning as a follower of Jesus, the old identity, the old waywardness has gone. You are a new identity in Christ. That is how God views you. That's how God views me. And where is that viewing of us taking place? Well, the second half of our passage from verse 23 onwards uh, talks of Jesus entering heaven. And that's where the first part of the passage, speaking on the death of Jesus, this second part, that entering of heaven... Jesus died and rose again. He steps into heaven. Raymond Brown says, the assurance that our great high priest has passed through the heavens encourages us to believe that by that death, his redemptive mission has been brought to a triumphant conclusion. In the moments of his final anguish on the cross, Jesus cries, it is finished. He entered heaven as an outward visible sign that this eternal achievement was finished and complete. And Jesus is still there in heaven. And he's still taking that identity. He's still speaking of that identity and saying to us, this is your identity. It's not like he died and went to heaven and then that's it. No, Jesus is interceding on our behalf. And in our passage here, He now, here we are, so verse 24. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Jesus entered a place. He entered heaven. Not a copy of heaven, like the tabernacle was, which... Us as humans, we made our best efforts to follow how God said, this is how you put the tabernacle together. But it was made of human hands. 
Solomon's interpretation of it was made of human's hands. Herod's interpretation of it, the final temple, was made of human hands. As we all know, a copy is not a patch on the reality. A copy is not a a patch on the sanctuary of heaven where Jesus now is. So there is the preeminence of heaven over the earthly representation. Jesus entered heaven itself. The one who came down from heaven was able to return there, now to appear in God's presence. So this place in heaven. And then there's this time. Jesus doesn't need to keep sacrificing time and time and time again. He doesn't, like the high priest, have to come back year after year on the Day of Atonement to sacrifice blood again and again. Jesus came to do away with sin. That's sin being alienation from God. He did away with that alienation from God by the sacrifice of himself. He was a perfect sacrifice. He was without sin himself. And the high priest came with blood that wasn't his own. Jesus came with his own blood. This is hugely significant. Christ takes away the sins of many. Where sin is alienation from God, sins are the evidence in our lives of that alienation at work. But those sins are part of our old self. What Jesus has won for us is the new self, is that new identity, because it is his blood that has cleansed us. It is his blood that has set us free. It is his blood that gives us life. The title for this talk is Set Free to Live. And what Jesus has done by his death on the cross is to bring forgiveness and freedom for the whole of our lives. For those first century Christians receiving this letter who were under difficulty, who were being persecuted, this identity gives them pardon, certainty, and peace. Pardon, certainty, and peace. Okay, so Anne, how is this relevant for us? How is this relevant for you and me today? Well, when I think of myself, when I start to get into my kind of self-absorbed, how am I doing state, I have to say the new identity in Christ isn't the first thing that comes to my mind. It's the old identity. It's, am I doing well enough? What do people think of me? How do I prove myself? Why does worry keep dominating my thoughts? Why does my task list is the thing that is the leading beat that's going on? And in my relationships with other people. Is the first thing I do when I meet with people, look on people with the compassion that Jesus has? (laughs) 
that's all old self stuff. And I have to say, when I think of myself and my identity, if I'm starting to think about my identity, my first reaction to myself is yuck. But that is old self stuff. Yeah? Proving myself, trying to, you know, what are people going to think? Oh, that's, that's old self stuff. And I don't need to live in that. And I don't need to live on that, in that, not because of me, not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus has done. He has taken on that identity of humanity. He's taken on Anne's identity, that old self stuff that I've just described. And, you know, I've given my identity because that's the only person I can talk about. You'll have to take it onto yourselves as to your identity, which bits of you are kind of like, oh, yuck. And that's the kind of first thing that you think of yourself with that. But like me, don't stay in that, ugh. Step into the new identity that Jesus has won for you that Jesus has taken on for you. He's taken on that old self of humanity. He's taken on the waywardness of humanity. He's taken on the sin of humanity, the failures of humanity. And he gives us that new identity. He says we have got a new identity now where that original design for which we were created, relationship with God, walking in the garden without sin or shame, is one for us here and now. When God looks at you, he looks at you with the identity of Christ. Now think about what you admire about Christ, about Jesus. His goodness, his love, his compassion, his unconditional acceptance, his time for people. He's speaking of truth and justice. Now, when God looks at you, he looks at you with the same identity as Jesus has. I found it really difficult to prepare for this morning's talk because what I've just said is completely mind-blowing. And I can't quite believe it. And yet that's faith. That is how God looks at me. It is how God looks at you. I find it easier to say that is how God looks at you. I really do. Because I can look out and see some fantastic people who show me the compassion, the love of God at work. I find it much easier to say to you, that's how God looks at you. I need to take that into myself. And if you're anything like me, you probably need to do the same this morning, yeah? Because your assessment of yourself will be old identity assessment, old self. God's love of you is new identity in Christ. Let's take a moment to let that sink in.
Here is a verse from a famous hymn that encapsulates this. The hymn is before the throne of God above. Verse 2. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. Because the sinless Saviour died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God, the just, is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. We're going to end this time of this talk by focusing on the cross where Jesus died, on Jesus' sacrifice. I'm going to introduce this part by reading part of Isaiah 53. And then we're going to listen to When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. And I would invite you to receive again that understanding of the new reality, the new identity that you have in Christ. As you look at the cross and you hear the words of Isaiah 53 and then that famous hymn. He was oppressed and afflicted Yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressions. Let's reflect further on the work of Jesus on the cross. Lord, come and bring that certainty, that pardon and the peace that you give to us and you've made available to everyone in the world. Come, Lord Jesus.